This message was presented at the GYC 2016 conference, when all has been heard, in Houston, Texas. For other resources like this, visit us online at www.gycweb.org. Good afternoon, everyone. So even if your brain is so full you can't think anymore, the pictures are really pretty. So you're going to enjoy it anyway. Um, my name is Vicki Griffin, and uh, I'm going to have prayer right now, and then we will get started. Father in heaven, thank you for this time that we can have together. What an amazing healing God you are, and we thank you and ask you to be with us. Give us heart, energy, help our minds to work, <laughs> and give me the words I need, Father, for each one here that your spirit may just drive home what each one needs, and we thank you in Jesus' name, amen. <laughs> Excuse me. So the PowerPoint that you are going to be seeing is not yet available, but I want you to know that we uh, have these balanced... I'm Vicki Griffin, the Health Ministries Director for the Michigan Conference, and we have these beautiful tracks, these, they're glow track size and this size, with 24 different topics, and what the Lord has called my department to do is to produce really beautiful scripted PowerPoints for you to use to win souls and gain decisions for Christ. How about that? Well-researched, beautiful, you can use them in your home, they're editable, you can take them to your home country and put them in your native language, which is amazing. So I just want you to know about that and um, that these are available to you. Because what good is it if it's just me running around talking? No, God has something for you to do for his kingdom. And it's my job to prepare materials for you that you can use in soul winning. Amen? Amen. So today, uh, we're talking about foods for thought. <clears throat> we're taking a look at food, mood, addictions, and the brain. And as we begin today, um, I, I, I just will tell you, those of you who are new here, I know that I look kind of like a librarian type, okay, that has it all together. But I was a runaway. I started running away from home when I was five. By the time I was 11, I was using drugs in a crazy life. I developed bulimia for 20 years. And God is in the saving business, amen? And now I am the health and temperance director hired to put the devil out of business. <laughs> and so I want to hire all of you to be subcontractors to go out and win souls for Christ. Amen? Because he's in the healing business. Now I want to open today with one of my favorite Bible stories. And it's found in John chapter 5. And it's the story of the man at the pool of Bethesda. And the way that the story opens is pretty amazing. How many years had that man been sitting at that pool, waiting for his miracle, paralyzed from the neck down with no one to help him? How many years? 38 years. And the story opens with a picture of Jesus coming to this man, and it says that Jesus saw him. And he saw that he had been there a long time. So for some of you, any of you, who yourself or know someone who's had an addiction for a long time, whether it's a food addiction, whether it's uh, 
a media addiction, whether it's a behavioral addiction, whatever it is, however long it's been, Jesus knows all about it. And he can do something about it. Amen? It just takes a plan. The addicted brain is working hard, but it needs to learn to work smart. And that's what we're all about. And the information uh, here is based on this book, Living Free, Finding Freedom, from Habits That Hurt. It's part of a six-session seminar that we have put together that is available to you to use in your home or in your church. Now, how many of you know the word Katrina? And what do you associate the name Katrina with? Hurricane Katrina in New Orleans in... August 23, 2005, Hurricane Katrina slammed five Gulf states with 175 mile an hour winds zeroing in on the city of New Orleans and 80% of New Orleans was under 20 feet of water. This storm affected 15 million people 2,000 people were killed, and the damage was $75 billion. It was the costliest hurricane in U.S. history. Now, a broken city, I have a, a master's degree. Before I got into nutrition, I, ha, I was in public administration. I have a master's in public administration, and I used to enjoy working on revitalization plans. And so one thing that we always looked at when we were working on these revitalization plans was infrastructure. So a broken city has two problems. It has damaged infrastructure. So what is infrastructure? What is it? It's the traffic, it's the commu it's communication systems, roads, the tele telecommunications, it's the access of the city that gives it its synchrony, its economy, its vitality, its ability to grow. It's dependent on infrastructure that is properly functioning. And we saw on television people disconnected because the infrastructure was broken down. You had stranded people, you had uh, contaminated water in the streets, the rescue vehicles couldn't get to the people in need. Uh, and we saw the devastating results of broken infrastructure. And as a result of broken infrastructure, that leads to what? Weakened defenses. And on television, we saw vandalism, vagrancy, violence as a result of that broken infrastructure. Now, one of the things that I love about the Bible is that in Romans chapter 1, verse 20, the Bible tells us that God uses the things that we can see to help us to clearly understand the things that we cannot see. That's an amazing thing, isn't it? So as we think about this, a broken city has ceased normal function, and it is now switched to what? It's in survival mode. No synchrony, no economy, no prosperity. We're just hanging on for dear life. Now, you've seen the posters of the little cat hanging on a branch 
and it says, hang in there. You ask people how they're doing in any country, and there's their own, the, people have their own version of the phrase, how are you doing? I'm hanging in there. And in our Western culture, we brag about this. I mean, we actually brag. I have done it. How are you, Sister Griffin? Oh, if you saw my schedule. Oh, I'm, I'm traveling here, and then I'm going there, and I'm trying to produce this, and do that, and visit this, and accomplish that. And instead of saying, you know, that's pretty dumb. They say, wow, how dedicated. What if I were to say, I'm going to sit in a chair and do nothing for three hours and watch the grass grow? Well, that's not very industrious. Did Jesus ever say, I'm in a hurry? Come on, hurry up, hurry up, hurry. Come on, guys, I've got to go help the demoniacs. Get in the boat, hurry up. You know, like, we're late. It's the fourth watch. <laughs> so, I think we need to start focusing on fruitful instead of hurry sickness, which we're all affected with. So such a city is in need of a plan. Would you agree with that? A plan. The Bible compares our broken minds, our broken, fallen brains with a city just like that. It says a person without self-control has the same two problems. The broken brain is, it's broken down, okay, so the infrastructure is broken down, and what? without walls. So when we don't have strong intercommunications in the brain, when we don't have that strong, resilient activity from hemisphere to hemisphere and section to section, when it's not vibrant and oxygenated and full of the nutrients and exercise that it needs, and without the thinking patterns that exercise us to excellency, all of these things make us defenseless against the enemy, defenseless. So what are these brain influences that we contend with? Well, we have a genetic deck. Some people are genetically more prone to anxiety, depression, addictions. Would you agree with me that there is a genetic tendency in some people? Well, what about environment? You know, the first environment is the environment of the womb. And one out of every five children born uh, has some kind of alcohol effects in the womb. So that's the first environment of that baby. And it's very interesting that the, uh, that the, offspring, the, the, the offspring of an obese or a malnourished woman, either or, doubles the risk of diabetes and obesity in, in the child that is born because of switches that, that uh, are, are activated genetically, it's called epigenetics, that are activated that change insulin sensitivity in that baby. Now, does that mean that that baby is doomed to be obese or diabetic? Does it mean that? No. But does it mean that they have a, a risk factor to, that, that they're going to have to contend with? Absolutely. So the Lord knows these things. And we make stupid choices. The Bible says that until we come to Christ, we are ignorantly alienated from the life of God. And that until we come to Christ, we're led captive by Satan at his will. And, and we just, we all know what that feels like. And some of us have been in that world for many, many years. And as a result, you know, we, we suffer. We suffer. Well, what is God to do with us? He knew what he was getting involved with when he got involved with you. 
And I'm here to tell you that whether by choice, chance, or circumstance, whether it's genes, environment, or your own choices, you were made to make it. God knows about it, he has a plan, and he's the man. So, what are the brain influences that continue to work on us, to work on our brains? Stress, depression, bad habits, and addictions. All of these things are from a position of weakened defenses in a brain with an infrastructure that is broken down. Well, rebuilding a broken city requires a plan, and so does rebuilding a broken brain. I love this book by Norman Doidge. It's called The Brain That Changes Itself. And he has an interesting comment here. It says, the brain is a far more open system than we have ever imagined. And nature, we would say, the way God has created us, has given us a brain that survives in a changing world by changing itself. The brain is constantly remodeling itself according to what it learns. Now, if you happen to take a picture of one of these slides, these are still Getty images. These are Alamy, so they are usable by you in these different formats and online, but these are not, so please don't post them if you happen to take a picture because you want the information. Everybody with me? Or I'll just do something to you. I don't know what, but we have to do that. I love this by Dr. John Rady. He's a psychiatrist who wrote a user's guide to the brain. Experiences, thoughts, actions, and emotions actually change the structure of the brain. So the brain, the basic unit of communication in the brain is the, neurotrans is the neuron. The basic chemical of communication is the neurotransmitter. So the really interesting thing about this is that there are more than 50 of these chemical mo um, molecules that are associated with mood that the brain produces. The brain is really only 5% electrical. It's 95% chemical, meaning that it is capable of action at a distance. So when you're upset, where do you feel it? You feel it in your stomach, your gut. You don't feel it, oh, my parietal lobe is really bothering me today. You know, we don't, you know, that's not what happens. And so <clears throat> the fascinating thing, even when I, when I do research, and I love research, I'm always looking for a picture of God. I, I want to see who he is. I want to trust him more. I want to understand more of his character because that's the most beautiful thing we can possibly do is learn more about a loving God because then we love him more and we grow more like him. And so the amazing thing is, is that God has built backup systems all throughout your body. Just backup systems, backup, even cheap computers have backup systems. And so he has built amazing backup systems. So 50 molecules that the brain produces that are associated with, with mood and feelings. All 50 of those chemicals, some of them are neurotransmitters, some are peptides, but all 50 of them are made, stored, and secreted by the cells of the GI tract, the mobile cells of the immune system, and the respiratory system. So when you take care of your body, these messengers of well-being assist in mental health. When you 
practice what I call attitudinal disciplines of speaking what you know instead of what you feel and letting our mouth just go all over the map. When we say what we know, we speak strength, not only to our brains, but it also affects immune system, respiratory function, asthma. It affects digestion. It affects everything. These are backup systems that God has built within us. And we can utilize these backup systems to grow and to gain strength to cope with adversity, to tunnel through trouble, and to develop resiliency in life. Because life is a series of trials. There is one prayer that I wish Jesus prayed, but he didn't. In fact, he prayed against it. He said, I pray not that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from evil. And so he has built systems within us that as we cooperate with nature and as we practice the principles, they will strengthen us and give us the ability to grow better instead of bitter. How many of you would like to grow better instead of bitter? Heaven and hell are involved in using the same circumstances for different purposes. Satan wants to destroy you. God wants to build you up. God allows that which he hates to bring about that which he loves. So whatever comes at you, you can grow through it. You can gain strength, even if you feel like a wrecking ball has come into your life. And we all have those times when the inexplicable happens, and God is there to help you. And our very genetics, our very structure assists us in surviving in a world full of uncertainty and vicissitudes. Abraham Lincoln said this, he said, certain habits of men are like luxurious vines. They destroy the trees that they decorate. He was from the south. Anybody seen those kudzu vines? Yeah, they say the roots, uh, they say they grow 12 inches a day and the roots are something like a couple hundred pounds. Um, and I've seen them cover whole houses. Well, let's talk about addiction for a minute because we think of classic addiction as habituation uh, uh, characterized by uh, withdrawal when you stop the substance. So we think of alcohol, we think of drugs, we think of those, ty those types of things. But Howard Schaefer from Harvard University says this, and many others uh, concur, that drug use is not a necessary and sufficient cause of addiction. Do you notice that there's nothing gorgeous about this picture? Why do you think we did that? Because we don't want you running out and getting chocolate cake because you can't stand it, because it's so beautiful. I, heard an, I went to an addiction seminar one day. This man, uh, he had lost 300 pounds, and he was a scientist, and he still had 100 to go, and every example of addiction that he used the whole day was chocolate cake. And by the time I left that meeting, I could not get to the donut shop fast enough. I mean, it was just awful. So we made up our minds. We're not putting that kind of stuff up. We want this stuff to look ugly, so you won't leave this seminar and go get a piece of chocolate cake. Not, not that that's wrong every now and then, but the problem is we're having a birthday party for breakfast, Christmas for lunch, Thanksgiving for dinner, you know, a lot of fireworks, but not the kind we want. It is improper to consider drugs as the necessary precondition for addiction. So, what about media addiction? What are some of these forms? Addiction now includes persistent compulsive behavior that is harmful or destructive characterized by an inability to stop. 
It is a misnomer to think that the person who is suffering from addiction is experiencing pleasure from their addiction. Um, after a period of time, they are no longer doing this thing to feel good. They're doing this thing to keep from feeling bad. I was bulimic for 20 years, from age 11 to age 31. And eating lost its pleasure. It's called anhedonia. When you get to a place where the compulsion is so strong, and it doesn't matter what you are eating, it no longer tastes good, or what the drug is, or what the substance is, or what the behavior is, whether it's shopping, or gambling, or pornography, or Facebook. Uh, there's a Microsoft study that just came out, I mentioned it in another class, that in 2002, uh, the attention span of young media users was 12 seconds. In 2008, it is now eight seconds. The attention span of a goldfish is nine seconds. So we are becoming fast addicted to media. We're not consuming media, it's consuming us. And it has dramatic effect on the brain. We're gonna take a brief look at that today. So examples of these, you could name them as well as me, porn, gambling, shopping. My husband worked with a man whose wife owned 300 pairs of tennis shoes. She never exercised. She did not like exercise. But they were in the garage. I mean, just one whole wall, just tennis shoes. Media addiction, food addiction, probably the most common addiction that we face in this country today is food addiction. I was shocked to learn that we now consume 100 pounds of sugar per capita in the United States a year. 100 pounds. If you think you have an addiction, it is important to work closely with your healthcare provider because many, many times there are coexisting conditions, depression, anxiety, mood disorders, uh, other mental health conditions. Some t the, the roots of addiction are tangled and complicated. But nothing is too hard for God. But it is important to understand that it's not just one thing. So going back to our analogy of Katrina and 80% of New Orleans being under 20 feet of water, what was the main source of, of the flooding in New Orleans? Does anybody remember what the main cause of that flooding was? It was broken levees. It wasn't the actual hurricane. It was broken levees. So now, let's say we send the Corps of Engineers in to repair all the levees, and now they're repaired. So is the city now repaired? No. So in the same way, just stopping something. Getting over an addiction is not about stopping. It's about filling. Addictions are about brokenness and about loss and about emptiness, very similar to depressionness, de depression. And so there are strategies and keys for healing that require an army of resources. We have to fight with every tool in the box. Just chucking the cigarettes or the donuts or the CDs is only a starting place because the entire brain, multiple brain systems are affected by addictions. Uh, not just pleasure pathways, but learning, stress, conditioning, many, many pathways need restoration and the changes are very real that need to occur. 
So many factors influence the risk for and severity of depression and addiction. It is important to identify and target the ones that you can change. And we're going to just look at a few of those relationships today, not the whole list. This is from Dr. Rady. Depression is an erosion of connections in your life as well as between cells. So when people develop an addiction, whether it's food addiction, compulsive overeating, eating disorder, uh, whether it's uh, pornography, shopping, whatever, these are very isolating. These are very isolating. And this, the, health, the heart health consequences of social isolation are equivalent to smoking 15 cigarettes a day. More significant than diabetes and obesity health risks on the heart combined. Not that those things aren't important. But that's how, what isolation does. And we have, I think, I read a statistic, a million and a half suicide attempts uh, in the United States last year. So our preoccupation with media and this artificial life that is online without real connections, which are imperfect and, un and, and unfiltered, actually we lose coping skills by these habitual artificial relationships. I'm not saying that these medium can't be helpful, but they're they create very powerful, uh, um, they're very powerful to invoke addictions in vulnerable people. And even just casually using something, anything, that has that potential, if we're not watchful, you may just start investigating or using something just out of curiosity, but then it can become what? It can, be, it can take hold of you. So we have to be watchful and be vigilant. Scientists are acutely aware that large doses of any type of experience have a very powerful shaping effect over the brain. So let's talk for just a moment about excessive media. How many times do you check your phone? How important have we become that we have to be available to text someone? I will be honest with you, I have found myself after a long day at the office I'm driving home, I'm at a red light, checking my emails. I'm not running for president. I'm really not that important. Nobody is gonna perish if they don't hear from me for an hour. It's an addiction, and I have addressed it. You just put that thing in the glove box. So are you, with, are you tracking with me? Are you thinking about your habits? How many times are you checking for likes on Facebook? Um, how much of this are we involved in? How many times? Every, what happens with the media-addicted brain is the brain loses the ability to filter out distractions. And the ability to filter out distractions is what enables us to stay focused on a task at hand. And in order to study the Bible, we need to be able to what? Focus. In order to be able to accomplish tasks, we need to be able to focus. And so I've set a rule for myself now where I only check the news in the morning and the evening. I used to do it just to divert my attention, but every time you click, there's a little dopamine response, and it takes several minutes to get full attention back on what you're doing. So there, it's really costly. 
to be so involved with all this media. This is from Jane Healy, Endangered Mind. So excessive media affects, profoundly affects social and coping skills. And I've even seen this at our office. So even though I'm older, I've gotten into this phone thing. And we all have, because we're all busy, 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 busy. Not necessarily fruitful, just busy, busy. You know, we, we want to switch out busy for fruitful. So we're all waiting to go into an executive meeting. And instead of visiting, you know, how's your Uncle Jack? I heard he was in the hospital, you know. With, um, so were you able to, to enjoy that papaya that you bought last week? Whatever it is, you know. How's your kid? Is he still being horrible? Whatever, whatever the thing is. <laughs> instead of doing that, we're sitting there instead of having real life experiences. And then it's time to go in the meeting and we go and we have our phones down here. <laughs> that has to stop. We've got to start thinking about what we're doing. So it actually reduces coping skills. And attention, mood, and motivation are affected. It's depressing. It actually causes depression and addiction risk. When st this is from an amazing book written by a Christian psychiatrist by the name of Richard Winters who wrote Still Bored in a Culture of Entertainment. When stimulation comes to us from every side, we reach a point where we tend to shut down our attention to everything. The flip side of consumerism is what? Complacency. The most compulsive of shoppers and channel surfers move from feeling good to feeling nothing. I remember my first experience shopping online. Uh, I needed some silverware, some cutlery. So I told my husband, I think I'm just going to, you know, see what's... So I just typed in cutlery. And to my absolute shock, 100,000 things came up. At least 100,000 hits. And you, you, they have pictures, and then you compare prices, and shipping, and, and all of these different variables, and so many choices. I think I spent three days trying to find the best deal, and, and it wasted three days of my time. Not for the whole day, but when I had time, I was back on the cutlery thing. Do you think I'm having the queen over for lunch? <laughs> Nobody cares about my silverware. So I was frustrated. I didn't get exercise. I was starting to get a headache. I started to hate the thought of silverware. I'm just going to go get plastic. So I finally told my husband, I'm going to go to Bed Bath & Beyond, close my eyes, grab a box. That's it. I'm done. But the re why does this happen? Because the internet, just in, in the same way, you can, you can substitute food, pornography, shopping, gaming, it's boundarylessness. There are no boundaries. There are no distractions. It's just a click away. It's timeless. It's anonymous. All of those things foster addictive compulsive behavior. There's nobody to bump into you in line, to look around and have a conversation. You're not waiting around to think about, well, do I really need this or not? You know, you can just one click. And you can rack up an incredible bill. And so we need to recognize that even with our eating, 
You, you can go into a store and just purchase and purchase and purchase. Nobody knows you. It's, you can get it any time of the night or day. You can leave the hospital after having an angioplasty and get curly fries on the way out. And so vigilance is really key. Recognizing how powerful these, these boundaryless uh, arenas are in terms of capturing our attention and keeping it beyond what we know rationally is right for us. Are you with me? The time spent with TV, children are spending eight hours a day with media, more time with media than any other activity than sleeping. So the time spent with TV, games, and social media is time that we're not spending doing something else that may be more beneficial. I'll never forget a letter that Ellen wrote right Ellen White wrote to a woman who was involved reading novels. She was addicted to novels, which is kind of a female version of the pornography kind of thing, these romance novels. And she wrote to this woman and she said, your mind from this superficial reading is becoming like a babbling brook. And if you do not stop this practice, your mind will lose its power of retention. So the, all of this surfing, the net, surface, surface, surfing, 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 little clips, little stories, little blurbs, little sayings. Posting a little saying on Instagram is not Bible study. And it may be unfitting you for deep study. I'm not against posting a nice saying. Sometimes I share a nice saying if I get on there and do something. But do you get the drift of what I'm saying? We are substituting artificial, shallow, addicting media activities for deep concentration, study, and focused attention. We are losing our ability to focus our attention on tasks. How many of you are willing to make a commitment to rethink how much you're involved every day? Put a boundary and a fence around some of your media. Put your hand up. Everybody, please put your hand up for me. Thank you. <laughs> God created you to enjoy life and experience, have experiences. In science, it's called experience-dependent plasticity. The brain is constantly growing new neurons, and they migrate to several areas of the brain, two of which are really key and very important. One is the hippocampal area of the brain, which has to do with learning and memory and memory consolidation and judgment. And the other area is the amygdala, which has to do with emotional memory and fear. So God, when we activate and use our reasoning faculties and concentrate and study and have experiences with people, new experiences that we initiate that are positive, when we speak the positive word of God, when we trust in his word instead of our feelings, it has a powerful shaping effect on the brain and it begins to heal these defective, this defective infrastructure. And we become less vulnerable to these addictions and problems and stress. So he wants us to have new experiences and learn how to work through tough things. And it actually brings joy. There are these backup systems of even these D, D2 receptors. There's D3, 4, 5, and 6. So how many of you have worked on a term paper? You stayed home from a social event to work on a paper and get a project done. You turned it in. You got a good grade, and it felt good. You worked on that patch, getting the weeds out, and it felt good when you were done. That's dopamine in other areas of the brain, delayed gratification, 
actually stimulates dopamine and it helps to compensate for this anhedonic state that addiction uh, develops and, and creates. Uh, every mental and physical faculty he wants us to have to the fullest. And one of the first steps is to resolve that meaningful activities and relationships are what we need instead of a by, being a bystander to life. The human brain is designed even in adulthood with a powerful capacity to reshape itself, learn and grow new connections. Now here's the stunner. I told you that these neurotransmitters and peptides are also made, stored, and secreted by the, mo the mobile cells of the immune system, the GI tract, and the cells of the respiratory system. You, I said that earlier in our program. This is incredible. Dopamine is associated with mood. And it's also called a learning transmitter. Half of dopamine is produced in the GI tract. Serotonin is associated with learning. When serotonin levels are in the basement, then you, you are afflicted with depression, mood disorders, appetite problems, sleeplessness. 99% of serotonin is produced in the GI tract, not the brain. So when we take care of, the, the stomach has been called our second brain. When we take care of our lifestyle, it assists in recovery from anxiety, mood disorders, and all these things. Now, I'm not saying that we shouldn't go to the doctor, get help, and sometimes be on medication. There are many pathways, many tools that God uses to help his children. And I heard a neuropsychiatrist talk about drug medications for depression, and here's what he said. It was fascinating. He said, one in four people that take serotonergic drugs that elevate serotonin in the little gaps in the brain, the synapses, like Prozac-type drugs, he said one in four people that take those drugs actually benefit from it because they take advantage of the boost in the brain chemical to overcome negative thinking. Isn't that interesting? So can we start on that now? Can we start doing that through Bible study and through reciting the word and declaring what we know instead of what we feel? Can we start boosting serotonin that way? How many of you would like want some more serotonin? <laughs> it's impossible to learn when serotonin levels are low. Exercise boosts serotonin, dopamine, endorphins, the natural painkillers. Because life can be painful. God knows that. And he's built within us these beautiful systems to assist brain health. And I thank him for that today. We have enough evidence to say that neurogenesis is a target of choice. So when treating depression, this is new stuff now. In treating depression, they're focusing on how do we get this hippocampal, this horseshoe area of the brain, how do we develop strategies that will promote neurogenesis in the hippocampal area of the brain, the creation of nerve cells in, in the brain? Now, we all produce new nerve cells every day, and they migrate to this area of the brain as well as several others. But survivability is a different issue. So it, when we're diabetic, obese, insulin resistant, high stress, lots of sugar, stimulants, that causes those cells to commit suicide. So learning becomes very difficult. So one of the first things we do when we're running our obesity programs is have people get out and start to exercise right away. Because when you exercise aerobically, and we will see this in the slides, it actually causes the production of very, very powerful growth factors, vascular growth factors, nerve growth factors, miracle Grow. How many of you use miracle Grow on your plants? Do you see a difference? I use miracle Grow on all my plants, 
every other week, and they are so gorgeous. They're beautiful. Well, exercise is like throwing miracle grow on your brain. Going for, especially if it's aerobic, if it causes your heart to really get going, because these growth factors just massively affect neurogenesis and cell survivability in the brain. That's really good news. How many of you would like more beautiful brains? More beautiful brains. Yeah. New nerve cells are born in the brain every day in regions affected by depression, mood, and addiction. So a person may be a very sincere Christian, but without these lifestyle pieces, they may suffer from depression, food addictions, compulsions, sleeplessness, irritability, and wonder what is happening with my walk with God. When I hold meetings with non-Adventists in their churches, these things are very important because you don't have an immortal soul that's going to float away that's the thinking part of man. There's only one part of you that is the thinking part of you, and that is your brain. You are a soul. There's only two kinds, living and dead souls. And when people don't realize this, they don't realize the profound urgency of taking care of the body temple. When the Lord says you are a body temple and a habitation for his spirit, he means exactly what he says. And when I take care of my stomach, when I don't overeat, when I eat at regular times, get my exercise, go to bed on time, it assists mental health. That's why I'm here today instead of at the donut shop. <laughs> Left to my uncontrolled self, I wouldn't know to do anything else but self-medicate a bad mood. That's all I would know to do. And that's all a lot of people know to do. Don't we have an amazing message? That's what these PowerPoints are for you to go out and do. Say amen. amen. So what are the freedom keys? When our addiction team got together and wrote the Living Free book, we wanted to know what are the basic keys for not just getting free, but staying free. It's like Jackie Gleason said. He said the second day of a diet is always the best because by then you're through with it. 54% of Americans are on a diet any given day of the week. So big deal if you get somewhere. We've got to stay on it. Amen? We've got to stay the course. We have to learn. That's why the last session on mindset was so important. So what are the keys? Creating an environment an internal environment which I call attitudinal disciplines of our outlook. It has to be trained just like you train with weights. We've got to train our attitudes. A bad attitude is like a flat tire. We're just not going to get anywhere until we change it. You may have a reason why you are what you are today, but we can't afford to make it an excuse. Amen? And your external environment, which is your surroundings, Creating a lifestyle that facilitates brain health. Fascinating that, and I said this in another class, that elevated serum levels, blood levels of carotenoids reduce sleeplessness and irritability. And the fatty acid content of cells, your cells are all made up of bilipid layers. These lipids are fats, and they're like floating ping pong balls on top of each other. They're constantly remodeling and changing. So a diet that is high in saturated fat, animal fat, butter, cheese, hard cheeses, uh, hydrogenated fat, it makes those cells more stiff and inflexible. There is a linear relationship between that composition in the cells, and it, and it also, there's another fatty acid in there called arachidonic acid that increases pain and chronic depression and impulsivity. When you change out the dietary fats, it begins to work on those cells. 
So the cells become more flexible, more permeable, more electric, more conductive. So you're quicker off the mark. You can think. You have lower impulsivity and risk for clinical depression. Now, look, you can eat right and still be a mean, depressed person. But would you agree with me that this is an important tool if you are battling for mental health? It's huge. It's so important. I went to an International Biochemist Society meeting, International Oil Chemist Society meeting, because I wanted to go to the seminar on fatty acids. And I learned about, it was in Canada, and I learned about omega-3 fatty acids and clinical depression, this linear relationship, and how these things are amazing. They're amazing. It's an anti-inflammatory fatty acid that's actually so protective and so good for mental health. So olive oil, olives, flax, you know, you know those things. You, you all here are educated in those things. So I was so fascinated by this. I paid $25 to go to an FDA awards breakfast. Wow, what have Adventists done now in the area of research, lipid research, and mental health in the brain and fat? I just couldn't wait to find out. So I paid the $25, I went to the breakfast, I walk in the room, and the, there are platters on all these tables in this big convention room filled with sausage, coffee pots everywhere, and I thought, what is going on? Well, I did not know that SDA also stands for Suds and Detergent Association. So I had signed up for the Suds and Detergent Association Awards Banquet. But I did learn uh, that while these detergents clean you on the outside, these healthy fats clean you on the inside. They're detergents. They carry important uh, vitamins. And when you have healthy fatty acids in the diet, it dials down chronic pain. I mean, there's such a... And, and if you need serotonin in your brain and the cells are so stiff that the molecules can't communicate with the other cells, would it be a good idea to be on a program that makes those cells more permeable to that transmitter? I mean flaxseed guys and I'm not saying we don't need these other modalities but it's an important tool more important than we realize and creating connections depression addictions is really all about a loss of connectedness we need to connect with God we need to connect with each other positive lifestyle choices encourage new nerve cell growth increased connections between cells what do you tell yourself you know, when you're going to go to an event, when you're going to be with people, what do you tell yourself? Oh, I'm I remember my husband, we were in Utah for a while, in St. George. He worked in St. George. We lived in Arizona right over the border, and he, had to, he worked for a telecommunication system. We were young marrieds, and he was interviewing some people for a secretarial position. And this one woman came in, she said, she sat down and she said, I just know I'm not going to get this job. And then she told him all the reasons she wasn't going to get it. And she didn't get it. So, you know, it's like I said in another class. No matter where you go, you have to take yourself with you. So make peace with yourself. Or you're going to have a miserable time everywhere. And we have to learn to have confidence in how God feels about us. What he says about us. Because his truth about us is stronger than your feelings about yourself. Amen? Improve nerve cell survival. Survival. How many of you want the brain cells you made this morning to survive? 
to the midnight hour. At its core, depression is defined by an absence of moving toward anything. Exercise is a way to divert those negative signals and trick the brain into coming out of hibernation. Some people with clinical depression are, are, are so immobile they can't even put a key in a keyhole. This is a very serious condition. Some people actually require uh, brain stimulation. I mean, it's, it, there are levels of this that are so serious. And so I am not trying to make light of this or say that the cure is simple and easy, but I will tell you that we've got to start with the tools we have. We've got to start with the tools we have, and they're pretty powerful. Diet and exercise encourage growth factors in the brain that put the brakes on proteins that destroy cellular activity in the brain. Release antioxidants that sweep up dead cells and provide protein building blocks for the infrastructure in the brain. So your brain gets bigger, more beautiful, more branches. So now you are able to solve problems. You're less likely to fall into depression and despair when obstacles come. You have mental resources and faculties to focus on those problems. I thought when I became a Christian I was going to be in a bubble and that, that, I, that God's favor meant I got my way. Um, but we, we soon find out that that is not the case. We learn to trust God in all circumstances. Exercise actually lights a fire on every level of your brain, from stoking up the neurons, metabolic forces, to forging structures that transmit information between cells. That's really good news for depression and addiction. Remember, God created us to, to be creative. To, to enjoy learning. And in an addicted brain, the hierarchy is gone. There's only one thing, one solution uh, that drives, and learning has, has just gone away. And so this restores that hierarchy, that joy of learning uh, that he intended us to have. Now this is all new out of science. I think it's fascinating that crunch foods. Now I had a meeting with students at MSU and I asked them to identify crunch foods that are healing to the hippocampal area of the brain. There is something about crunch foods that actually stimulates nerve cell growth in this memory center of the brain. So what do you think they named as a crunch food? Potato chips. Yeah, but we're not talking about potato chips here. No. Crunchy foods, spacing meals, and calorie restriction all promote new brain cell formation. So it's not just about what we eat, it's about the content, the crunch factor, the amount, and the timing. So I talk about adding value to your meals. So a regular coleslaw, for instance, is just this, it's shredded cabbage with mayonnaise and sugar and, you know, what else? Hardly anything else. So if you want to add value to that, what can you do? Have you been to the store and seen the broccoli slaw? There's more calcium in the stems of the broccoli than even in the head. So it's crunchy, it's gorgeous, it's colorful. You've seen the julienne carrots. They look like uh, matchsticks. You add this. You chop up some celery and spinach, raw spinach, and you add it to this coleslaw mixture. You add all of these things together. And then you put in some peanuts or something or whatever, and then some lemon and olive oil. Lemon increases the iron absorption um, of of the in the greens and the vitamin C and so you have now added value to, to something that you already love and you've added crunch factor so food is medicine food is medicine so 
content, crunch factor, amount, and timing. The entire digestive system is closely attuned to a person's emotions and state of mind. Therefore, what affects the stomach directly affects the brain and vice versa. Nearly every chemical that controls the brain is also located in the stomach region, which I've already shared with you. Just as the brain can upset the gut, the gut can upset the brain. We're almost through here. Glucose from carbohydrates, complex carbohydrates, is the fuel that your brain uses to produce the energy that moves and motivates you. What a joy that God has given us such amazing strategies for building brain health and fighting depression because we all have depressing things to face in life. And if we focus on those and if we allow our habits to just go down the drain, uh, we're going to sink. And God wants you to have wings. He wants you to grow in spite of the challenges you face in life. And he wants you to have joy every day as you learn from him. Nutrition interventions benefit psychiatric conditions and countless aspects of human well-being. Positive lifestyle choices protect the brain and body, making it easier to cope with stress and enjoy new things to do in life. We shared this information in a workshop at a, a very large addictions uh, convention at a hospital where they have residential programs. There were dozens of workshops and plenary speakers. This was the only workshop that dealt with this. As a result, the hospital asked my, our dietitian and myself to come and create a lifestyle program for the residents and for the staff. I mean, that was God. That was God. Because who are we? But this information is so vital to surviving once you've had an addiction, when your life is broken and you struggle with depression and anxiety and fear and worry, and you have a background that is scarred, even if you don't, the world we live in is tough. And God has given us tools. We can be like cream and rise to the top with his plan. It's like I said in an, in an earlier meeting, but I'm going to repeat it. God has promises for us. They're powerful. He has power to give us. He can subdue all things. But if I pray and claim his power and sit on the couch and watch Desperate Housewives and eat ding-dongs all day, I will not get any loft in my life. I just won't. He has a plan. And it's the plan that activates his power. It makes it operational. The work of the Holy Spirit becomes operational when we act on it. When we act on speaking what we know instead of what we feel. When we do what we know instead of what we want in a moment. That's wisdom. Wisdom is making a decision today that you're going to be happy about tomorrow. That's what it is. Just because you want to do it doesn't mean you have to do it. You can do the right thing. I've had days where... You know, I've been sitting all day. I'm not against having a little dessert every now and then, but you know, I was bulimic for 20 years. There's stuff I just never ever bring into the house. I can't deal with it. And so, oh, you've had a rough day. You know, you're hungry and you're in traffic. And wouldn't a great big triple whatever ice cream, blah, 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 be nice just about right now? Oh, hmm, yeah. And here's the other voice. You know, if you go home, there's an amazing cantaloupe with berries, 
you, you know, that you can have a small piece of dark chocolate that big, you'll be happy. You'll feel better, you'll enjoy your Bible study tonight. Otherwise, you're going to get knocked out, you're going to feel sluggish, you're going to get grouchy, the world is going to look bad. So I can be thinking about that thing all the way home while I go and do the right thing. And pretty soon you begin to crave the good stuff. How many of you would like to crave the good stuff? We all have these battles to fight. It's just in different areas. Some of you don't relate to the food thing at all, but you have other areas that you have to fight with yourself over. We ingest each day any number of compounds that we know alter mental function. I read this in an earlier program. Repeated food, poor food choices actually change the structure, function, and metabolism of the brain that regulate appetite and mood so that you actually become a victim of mood swings, poor sleep habits, and other emotional problems because of diet, because of diet. So metabolic syndrome in the brain, we think about the, the pancreas, we think about the fatty liver, we think about inflammation, we think about wheat, about um, weight, but what about the brain? When we have insulin resistance, blood sugar issues, it affects depression risk, our thinking is slowed down, less alert, poor concentration, and less energy. Now here's the good news. Just a single bout of aerobic activity can increase insulin sensitivity for anywhere from two hours to two days. That's awesome. Insulin is what takes the sugar that's in your blood and takes it into the cells. That's insulin is the doorkeeper to get the, the, the energy, the food, in the form of glucose into your cells. That's just fantastic news. And so uh, very, very important exercise is now, if the diet is largely junk food with large amounts of highly saturated fat, the membranes become less flexible, stiffer, and more restrictive to enzyme function, and we get burned out. And interestingly, one of the first signs of insulin resistance, diabetes, is actually fatigue, because the glucose is not getting into the cells, so you're just fatigued. And what do, what I'm, what I'm, if you come to my seminar, and you tell me you're fatigued, and you're insulin resistant, and you're eating junk food, what's the first thing I'm going to tell you to do when you go home? I'm going to tell you to put on your tennis shoes and walk. And what's the very thing you don't want to do? And don't feel like doing and don't have the energy to do. But what's going to give you energy? The walking. It's going to get the glucose into your cells. So it's, it's not about what we feel like doing. It's a paradox, isn't it? that actually moving creates energy. Muscle is where energy is produced. So let's just say together, it's all about muscle. It's all about muscle. Well, we're gonna finish up here. Eating high fructose uh, alters the ability of your brain to remember information, and it blocks the ability of insulin to get the sugar into the cells for processing thoughts and emotions. So we may be self-medicating a bad mood with sugar and it's actually compounding the problem. High fructose diet harms the brain as well as the body. So here we go, 1,000 calories, apple pie a la mode, or 17 apples. <laughs> so we've got to go to the Department of Defense. Nature's Department of Defense is found in an abundance of complex carbohydrates. Fresh vegetables, fruits, beans, whole grains, nuts, 
and seeds. We're almost done, folks. So first of all, use the plan of addition. What do you already like that you can begin to add more of? What crunch foods do you love that you can begin to eat more of every day? When I go to Olive Garden, I have them make the whole salad with raw spinach, and I have them throw in chopped carrots and broccoli and raw veggies, uh, shredded zucchini. It's amazing. It transforms that salad. It just transforms it. So use the plan of addition. Number two, eat more fruits and vegetables. Number three, choose whole grains. Choose whole grains. They're amazing, including wheat. Wheat is not evil. Jesus is the bread of life. Amen? Number four, increase beans and legumes. Just one cup of beans is 15 grams of fiber, 15 grams of protein. It's absolutely amazing. More antioxidants than berries in beans. Beans, beans, every day, beans, beans, beans. If you get tired of beans, have another kind. And then the healthy fats. Every day, just a handful of nuts every day is going to reduce your risk of a heart attack by 50%, even if you don't do anything else. Isn't that wonderful? Color me healthy. Eat a rainbow of foods. I love what the Bible says. He satisfies your mouth with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagle. Color you cared for. When you see these foods, it's God restoring your heart, your mind, your brain. He made you to make it. Are you with me? Would you like to make that decision for Jesus today? No more going by what we feel as much as what we know. And God will be honored and glorified. Why don't you stand with me? And let's thank God that he cares for us as we have our closing prayer. Tomorrow morning, I'm doing a program on leadership, leaders lighting the way, how to get the message out. Father, thank you for your healing touch in our lives. Thank you for the strategies and tools that you've given us. Father, the world is perishing for want of this information, for the need of this truth. And we know that the reason you've given it to us is so that our minds can be strong and we can help others to have strong minds to receive the amazing testing truths for this time that require deep study. You are coming soon. The issues are big, bigger than we understand. Help us to treasure our mental faculties, to nurse them, encourage them, that mental and physical health will be a top priority, not just for selfish purposes, but that you may be glorified, that we may be strengthened, that we may have joy in every circumstance and trust in your holy name. In Jesus' name, amen. This message was presented at the GYC 2016 conference, When All Has Been Heard, in Houston, Texas. GYC, a supporting ministry of the Seventh-day Adventist Church, seeks to inspire young people to be Bible-based, Christ-centered, and soul-winning Christians. For other resources like this, visit us online at www.gycweb.org.